Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Okay, so out, out of college, this is like year one or two in yep. insurance. Somehow found Rich Dad Poor Dad, read it, and I, it just changed my mindset as far as like, okay, how do I buy assets versus things? Um, and so um, once I had that in my mind, we were very intentional with just saving money um, to purchase the next mm. real estate. Um, and then bought our first duplex at oh, FHA, um, very nice. right after that. Yeah. So you went out of the gate, you went for the, what everyone should do and went for the duplex yep. when you were young, lived yep. in one side. Yeah. Was it a value add? Did you like renovate it at all or no? So just like ready yeah, to go? it was the being married. I had to consider what my wife wanted oh, yeah. as well. So you married so, pretty young. Yes. Yeah. We got married right out of college. So 22, um, we actually bought our first house the year I graduated. We redid paint, we redid flooring baseboards all the above just kind of the finishing touches mm-hmm. um, but that's where we lived for about two and a half years Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 42 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee. I'm a mortgage lender based in Portland, Oregon, and I'm licensed to do business in about eight states, and I invest in single-family homes. And I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon and Washington realtor, and I invest in multifamily and short-term rentals. And hey, Jordan, who did we interview today? Oh, yeah. We had a great interview uh, here in Salem with a local insurance agent, actually. His name is Alex Ferry. Uh, He got into insurance business because his dad was doing it when he was uh, he was cold calling in high school which is hilarious uh but now he's found a true passion in um in investing in real estate yeah and you know uh i'm very excited for this guest because he's our first guest who's done seller carry yeah so it's if you if you're ever curious about doing a seller carry or what it means or the mechanics of it this is a great episode for you to turn into hey guys welcome to the realized gains podcast i'm stephen tran and I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, and we're super excited to have on the show today a friend of mine from Salem. His name is Alex Ferry, and he he's an insurance agent with State Farm, and he's also a real estate investor. So, hey, just really quick, Alex, you want to talk to us about, you know, kind of your your life, how you got into investing, how you got into your career, your, your story? Yeah. No, thank you a lot for having me. appreciate it. Um, but yeah, my story is... Uh, I actually never planned on getting into insurance. Even though your dad (laughs) dad did it? Exactly. So my dad's a State Farm agent. He's been doing it for about 15 years. Started when I was in high school. And so I was like, well, that's not, I mean, insurance is insurance. It's not like a sexy industry, like real estate, like what you guys do, right? (laughs) Um, So it's just built. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so when I started looking at it, though, I saw it from more, you learn quickly, it's a people business. And so if you're good with people, you take care of people and you build trust with them, that's really all it is. And so 
Um, got to work for my dad for a number of years. Um, did you work with him like early on, like when you were still in high school? <clears throat> yeah, so I did like cold calls for him in high school days. Oh my goodness! So, yeah, <laughs> no, cold yeah. calling in high school. Oh yeah. So I. Did, what did he pay you? Did, how did he pay you? Oh, minimum wage, and then if I got a lead, <laughs> then I got a little extra bonus. Too, okay. So, so he, if you if you like got him a meeting set up, then he would pay you. Yep. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. So as it. long as I got someone interested, you get a little extra. So in what in 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 high school were you just like gung ho dialing or or were you like, this sucks, do I really have No, to do so this? it was like, I would come in from like 4 to 6 p.m. and I would just call. Like, that's all I would do. And so I was making probably 100 calls an hour and just busting so through So you were just them. burning through Oh, it. yeah. And like, <laughs> my dad would come around the corner and he's like, don't you ever get sick of this? Like, doesn't it annoy you when people like hang up on you? And I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm never going to talk to these people again. So, yeah, that's how I got started, really. And then... Um, went to South Salem, went to Chemeketa, played some basketball there, ended up at Corbin University playing basketball there. Um, and then all through those years was still kind of working a little bit part-time for my dad. Um, but tried out Nike for a little bit. I know okay. you have some friends at Nike. Yeah. Um, but this whole time me. you're like four to six, I got to I got to miss. I was like events and then I was doing some cold calling on the side too. Okay. Um, but it was more just to kind of keep a touch on it as far as like, I don't know, maybe do I want to do insurance? Mm. And so. But you um, hadn't got licensed. Nope. No, okay. it wasn't licensed. So yeah, I didn't get licensed until it was my senior year of college and I was like, okay, let's actually try insurance. Mm. Let me see if I can produce and bring in some sales. So I got my property casualty, got my life and health license. Um, and that's really how I started was just getting my feet wet with it. And after about a year, I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. And you were doing this, but you were doing this while you were like working at <coughs> Nike and doing other jobs? No, or? so I worked at Nike for like a year, year and a half, um, like mostly in the summer with school. And then during like basketball season and school year, I would just work part time. I see. And then same thing with, I did that for Costco for a bit because Nike was just like, I knew that wasn't the long It wasn't like play. Nike Corporate? Was no, it no, like... no. It was like a Woodburn store. Worked at okay. Lincoln City for a bit. I worked at one of the Portland stores for a brief time. Mm. But yeah. That's quite a trek. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was interesting, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Retail, huh? But that, that experience must have bled over a little bit, yep. though. Yeah. I think the competitive atmosphere of it and just the culture helped a lot um, as far as what I wanted to create here with my team. And so, yeah, coming out here, it was like, okay... If I'm going insurance now, let's just get really good at it. So working for my dad, I was able to kind of just develop a process for the sales side of things, the yeah. front end. Um, and so that was my role was produce a lot and bring in a lot of new customers. And then now that's continuing on where I actually get to build a team and they're doing it with me. Yeah, I was going to say, I noticed your car. You seem to do a lot of branding, marketing. and Yeah, yeah. so if you ever see the if red Jeep. If you live Jeeps, in Salem, you've yeah. noticed the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything with a red Jeep. Now I have people that will <clears throat> drive past red Jeeps, and they're like, it wasn't you. I was like, because it wasn't me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I yeah, I mean, we don't own all of them, but <laughs> there's a few around town, yeah. Is, do you live on Hoyt? That's my parents. That's yep. your parents. Okay, yep. I was like, yeah. cause I drive by that one every once in a while. Yes, that's always the question is, do you buy Bush Park? It's like, no, that's my parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It stands out though. People remember it for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And then uh, kind of talk about your interest in real estate. If you want to jump into that. Yeah. So how I transitioned into looking at the real estate side was I actually. Um, I'm sure no one's heard of this book, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that book, and um, uh, that's what kind of How sparked. old were you? So I didn't read it until um, 
I was probably 23. Okay, so out, out of college, this is like year one or two in yep. insurance? Yeah, I had just like, I think I saw is. some like YouTube stuff with real estate and I was like, you know, real estate would be interesting. So somehow found Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read it, and I, it just changed my mindset as far as like, okay, how do I buy assets versus things? Um, and so um, once I had that in my mind, we were very intentional with just saving money um, to purchase the next mm. real estate. Um, and so that's how I first got started was read that book and then we saved very intentionally for about a year and a half um, and then bought our first duplex at oh, HA um, very nice. right after that. Yeah. So you went out of the gate, you went for the, what everyone should do and went for the duplex yep. when you were young. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you bought that here in town, lived yeah. in one side. Yeah. Was it a value add? Did you like renovate it at all or no, it so, just like ready yeah, to go? Yeah, it was the being married i had to consider what my wife wanted oh, yeah. as well so you're married so, pretty young yes yeah we got married right out of college so 22 um we actually bought our first house the year i graduated but it was really small that one was an add value a okay. little bit um so we bought that house we redid paint we redid flooring baseboards all the above just kind of the finishing touches mm-hmm. um, but that's where we lived for about two and a half years was it one of them were any of the units occupied when you bought it or is this completely empty the duplex was completely empty so i was super fortunate in that it was a it was essentially a flip that someone else did oh so okay. someone had flipped it and then we were in the market just looking at different multifamily stuff. I should have bought a fourplex when they still allowed <clears> the... That's what I did. Uh, yep. See? Okay. Yeah. yeah you're smarter yeah, than I was. What year was that? So that was 20, 2018. Okay. 2018. Oh, it's still a good time. Yes. Yep. Uh, that was before they had the um, stress test. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So it would have been perfect. Uh, it's funny because I tried to get my wife to commit to a fourplex out uh, northeast and a friend of mine actually bought that fourplex now now we're friends because we met but he was like oh yeah i own that i was like what that was the first one i like <laughs> wanted to put an offer on um so have the duplex though it was vacant so yeah. we moved into it's unique because there's two homes on a lot so oh, oh so it's not like it's not a true not duplex a yeah okay. so and that's probably better like you don't want to oh, share way a better yeah. yeah and so my wife was like oh yeah let's do it like it wasn't best part of town but it really worked and so when i ran the numbers on it i was like okay my rental income from half of it will cover most of the mortgage so then our technically our mortgage payment went down yeah um, right from our old house. net the net <coughs> amount went down exactly. because you were offsetting it yeah. and i love that you mentioned <clears throat> you it was maybe not the best part of town because i think you know some pe- times people are like oh real estate you know location 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 has to be the best yeah. location no but that's that's not always the case right because you so you ran the numbers on it and you're like well let's try it out and, and what was your experience like living there yeah so like our experience was we knew it was a short-term play like our goal was to essentially move there and then be very intentional with saving the next year and then move out as <clears> quick <throat> as we could and on to the next place oh within the once you get past that year you're like okay next one yep so we actually ended up moving because I mean, as long as you're intending to live there for a year. Like yeah, that. Exactly. And that was the plan was we were going to be there for a while. Um, but I think it was like year or month, like nine or 10. We were like, okay, well, we have the money saved. Might as well move and get a house in a location that we wanted. So then we moved it. You mean point. start the process at yep. the nine? Yeah. And then you close and you move in <laughs> as soon as your year exactly. is up. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it worked out really well for us. We were pretty fortunate. Um, but yeah, the when we ran the numbers first moving into it, it was like, okay, it'll make a little bit of money. But I mean, now, <clears throat> four years later, it's like, oh, wow, this one's 
our most profitable property now. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so you had your first property, FHA, what, like 5%? So we did our first house conventional, actually, oh, 5%. Conventional. Okay. And then the duplex, we did FHA, 3.5%. Okay. Oh, nice. And then... Did you ever... Did you... Were you able to... Did you... You probably didn't have time to refinance out. No, I had looked at it, and I really should have probably refinanced it about a year ago when mm-hmm. rates were really good. And oh, yeah. Dropping PMI and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just didn't hit the timing right when I looked into it. I mean, ultimately, what, what does it matter? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't have made a huge difference, but it's whatever. Yeah. Would have been able to pull some equity out. Yeah. But now you just do HELOCs and mm-hmm. kind of functions the same way. Okay. Okay. So then you moved on to a new primary. So at th- this point, you've it's three three of them that you've stacked up. Yep. Yeah. So and was it was probably 2019 when we moved into a different single family house so then now we were renting the three units out that we had acquired um and so at that point then it was like okay real estate's what i want to like put money towards can you kind of talk about the loan structure because were you both on all the loans mm-hmm. as you're going through okay yeah and so yeah i've heard from other people that that's not always the best way to do it but just depends on <clears throat> long-term plans i always yeah i always <laughs> hear that too it's like oh you can only get what is it 10 mortgages on your own yeah. personal but it's like are we gonna get 10, 20 20 well, mortgages first of all <laughs> yeah. 10, 10 mortgages is a lot of mortgages yeah <laughs> and, and second of all there are programs that you know you can get more than 10 or investors <clears throat> that will do it for you but you might need to put more down or you yeah, I was gonna say like the, you know, the rate rates not might not be as good or the terms in general. Yeah, I mean, you, there's stuff that's comparable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all getting to twenty mortgages, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but yeah, sometimes separation can be useful though. Like I always <clears throat> tell people, like if you don't need to, if you don't both need to be on it, then yeah. then don't. Then what's the point? Yeah, if you qual, if you like, both, nobody you wants a liability, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, like you can still be on title. Like if you're married, you can still be on title without being on on the mortgage without having liability. So, uh, for me, there's unless you're like building your credit or something, there's no real advantage of being on a loan. Yeah, I t- I tell my clients all the time, like if you qualify and everything's exactly the same, you don't need to put two people on the loan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah, I mean even if one, so even if like you always use the lower of the two credit scores. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, not yeah. it's not an advantage to have someone come on with a higher credit score, no income. So <laughs> anyway, that, that we're we're going off on long tangents here, but long story short, you you're all on the same loans together. Yeah. Yeah. We just did everything together, keep it clean with being married and all. Um, and so yeah, bought the single family, and like we our plans in that move were um, pretty intentional to buy a house that we could be in for like five to 10 years if we needed to be um, with our plans of growing our family. And also I plan to open my own insurance agency Mm -hmm. right around then is when um, the plans were. And so, um, and all of that happened. So in the next year within that move, we had our daughter um, and then we also opened my own insurance agency. Okay. So you stopped being an employee of your dad's and now you're your own in independent business yep yeah so i had been working for my dad helping him grow his book and then um in 2021 that's when i branched off onto my own does that technically make you competitors with your dad or it has does. that yeah. yeah yeah how does that work so we compete i know it's a little different so um it's really unique in that obviously like we we collaborate and talk a lot and i view him as like my best coach and mentor like i'm super thankful for him uh, but obviously, there's the competitive side, and me and my dad are both really competitive. So yeah. people that know us closely know that like 
we love each other, but like <clears throat> we are always going to be competing against each other at the same time. What about all those clients that you brought on for him? Are you poaching those bad no, <laughs> Zero. Um, just kidding. I have actually, yeah, because I he mean, made that's you always, a, he made you sign a non-compete clause for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I mean, that's always a thought, though. Is it's like, well, when they leave, they'll they'll take some of the book, but. The only household I moved out was myself. Right. So <laughs> everyone else, though, still with them. So, yeah, super thankful for him. Yeah. And, and okay, so now you've, this is number three. You've been there for a few years. And now are you still on the mindset of going to be a next primary, next investment you get? Or are you kind of looking at other opportunities? Yeah, so the after that move, it was like, okay, we could probably do this two or three more times. And so <clears throat> um, it was probably... It was about a year ago is when I started to shop again. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay, well, let's look at doing the same thing we've been doing where um, we buy a house, move into it, rent out this house. And yeah. um, ran the numbers and it would still function. So, like, every house I looked at was like, okay, can it cash flow at all? And so, obviously, it's harder to do in this marketplace where you, if you're doing 5% down, like, it's really hard to meet margins yeah. as far as cash flow. But it's still doable, mm. and so so your metric was just that as long as you can rent it for your mortgage payment, basically, yep, exactly somewhere close to it. Yep, yeah, and so that's how I ran it all. And obviously, rents generally increase slowly yep. over yep. time. Yep. And so my theory was, okay, it'll catch up eventually, or I can refinance equity out to get the debt lowered. Yeah, I was gonna ask, was there some point where you just like stopped being able to qualify for a primary with so many? No, so I mean, I have not had an issue at all. The only issue, it's cash flow, yeah, yeah, was this yeah. last purchase um, was because you I was, your business, uh, yeah, I went yeah. W two to yeah. ten ninety nine. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, it's tough because you know I don't know how you do your taxes, but like you know we depreciate and write off a lot, and you know I might make some cash <laughs> in my pocket, but my taxes may say otherwise. Zero, yeah. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to see. Let's just say I I might not qualify for as much as I used to because I also switched to. <laughs> Uh, out of my W-2 as yeah. well, so it's been yeah. difficult. So Well, um, and you had just recently opened up Airbnbs, uh, which are not the same as when, when you have a... <laughs> it, it's just different when you have something. It's very easy to do a lease agreement yeah. for a, a departing primary, right? Because it's oh, yeah. you know, a set for one year. Versus Airbnb is more like a, a business, right? Where mm. you know you have cash flow that comes in, but it's it varies a lot and your expenses are a lot more. So yeah. just from an underwriting perspective, it's a little different. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, you were shopping around and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were shopping around about the last year or so and just kind of figuring out timing of when the right time was to move. And it was actually like January of this year was when we got a little more serious about shopping. And so started just writing offers on stuff that I was like, okay, the house that we're looking to move into is a little upgrade but still trying to keep mortgage affordable, obviously. And so um, when we made, there was a house, actually it was for, it was funny, a friend from Facebook had posted, hey, my neighbor's house is for sale. It was for sale by owner. Oh, I was nice. like, oh, cool, okay, maybe I'll call them, see if they're open to <coughs> carrying any of the debt and such like that. And when um, you say that, what, what do you mean, for our audience, what do you mean when you say uh, carrying some of the debt? Yeah, so when I looked at it, because um, essentially the goal would have been to um, buy the house at a conventional loan with 20% down, but within that, having the seller carry that down payment for me as a private note after closing. Mm. And so let's say it's a $400,000 house, your debt load is 300000 
now your down payment's a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and so that seller would actually own that hundred thousand, and I would pay him five hundred bucks a month until it was paid off. Or so you'd have your conventional mortgage payment, and then you'd pay the seller the loan that they gave you for the down payment. Exactly. Yeah. So can I ask where you got the idea to do seller carry? Um, it was talking to a lot of people that have done it besides myself. So I connected with a lot of people at SMI Real Estate. Um, they do a lot of that. Um, yeah, Trevor, I mean, there's some people that um, they had experience with it. And so I was just like, hey, I know you've done this on, they do it on larger scales with apartments and mm-hmm. multifamily, but I was like, you can do it on single family too. So that's kind of where I got that from. Okay, and how did that conversation go? Because I know just so many people are just used to talk to the lender and just mm-hmm. getting traditional mortgage, you know, primary mortgage, investor loan, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, how, does, how does that conversation go? You're talking to a, a FISBO, so you're just yeah. calling them on the phone? Yep, yeah, so I just called them and was like, hey, um, interested <clears throat> in your property, would love to check it out. It's only a half a mile from our current house, so like, it was easy to coordinate walking through it sometime. And then when we were in person, I kind of asked him what his plans were after closing, like, are you needing money to buy your next place? Um, and so we kind of had that conversation and he had already um, bought and owned land and was building a house and Mm -hmm. so he didn't necessarily need the closing cash right away other yeah Yeah. other than obviously it'd be nice to have and so I was like well actually what if we looked at something a little more creative where because he was it was on the market for a while and so I was like hey what if I can hit your purchase price but can you carry some of that down payment for me to make it more affordable um, in the short term for myself? Was he familiar with seller carry at all? Not at all. Okay. No. So how did you explain that process? How do you convince somebody to take on debt? Yeah. So, and it's uh, actually a bummer with that scenario is um, he was all for it. I talked to him and it was nice because the lender he was using on his new build um, was like had knowledge of it and so they actually helped validate what i was telling him Mm. and so that was really nice is he had someone already on his team that knew what seller carry was yeah and so that helped me a lot in explaining it to him because then he could reaffirm it with his lender that he was already working with um and so the downside was is he had to, I can't remember if it was sister-in-law or brother-in-law, someone was an attorney in the family and was just like, hey, this is a terrible idea. You should never do this. And I was just like, oh man. So like talked to him probably two or three more times and was like, hey, people do this all the time. It's like, and tried to give him like my word and kind of validate through, hey, I have an insurance business. Like, yes, I'm gonna like take care of you. Like, I'm not gonna just leave you out to hang dry. Cause like there's a risk in him being a second position on something yeah. but um yeah so the, his family actually talked him out of it um mm. and so it was a bummer that one didn't work out um but at but the, it was still a good exercise for you oh it was great you learned how to talk to somebody about it mm-hmm. it was an experience for me because what it did prepare me for is while i was calling on homes like that there was another house that popped up that was mm. for sale by owner and that one in talking with him, he did want to carry it. Mm. So he oh. actually brought it to me oh. as an option. I was like, because, yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, what, who? Um, no, this is what I'm trying to sell you guys. <laughs> exactly. So was it like a, a sweet deal? Like hit your numbers, everything? Yeah, so cool? I like, I calculated it, ran it. I was like, okay, it's for sale by owner. It could cash flow. Um, is it sneaky when it's going the other way around, when they're trying to give you the deal? 
That's what so, I was like a little confused what, what on. What am I missing here? <laughs> the, the piece we negotiated was the down payment. So like initially okay. he had wanted 20% down from whoever bought it. And so I renegotiated him. I don't even know what the percentage was, but it was about five or 7% down. Yeah. And so he took that and then he carried the rest of it. Okay. Um, and so that's the portion I negotiated with him. Oh, so he so did, that one he did I the bought. big loan. You so didn't get one, a conventional loan. Yeah, that was a separate purchase. Yeah. So that was so we actually bought the two homes around the same time. So like we bought the for sale by owner carry one first and then closed on our second home like I think weeks later. Mm. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Oh, nice. Uh, can you kinda of talk through what that process looked like? Did is it like you know, a traditional purchase where you have the inspection period and you have the... Yeah, the for sale by owner one. Yeah. Yeah, so it was basically the same process. Like, it's funny because he <clears throat> he had been in real estate a while. I think he was in his 70s. And so he had done this and bought property from others the same yeah. way. And so I actually kind of let him take the lead on most of it. And then whenever he would say something I kind of was unsure of, I would call a friend yeah. and <laughs> be like hey is this legit and so because um, I mean the offer letter I mean it's it's one page and so it's like is that enough protection like <laughs> and so um, you take a little risk in it obviously but um, like we wrote it all up um, he was really easy to work with luckily yeah. but yeah we put in there an inspection period we did an appraisal and all that um, and so, yeah. Did you need a realtor through this process at all? Mm -mm. No. Okay. No. Yeah. I, I did get input from realtors that had done it. Yeah, because yeah. I, you know, there's uh, the issue with getting paid when you do seller carry. That's mm -hmm. you know tough for realtors, and you yep. can bake it into the you know the payments and stuff, yeah. but it, it's tough. Yeah, and the the seller did not want to use a realtor, so okay. he was like, "I don't want to talk to a realtor. Don't even use one." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, we're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but I think he just wanted to keep, obviously, the profits for himself. And, so, and maybe he'd had a negative experience. Yeah, yep, yeah, like, yeah. That, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also say, you know, one of the benefits for the seller of somebody who's good, uh, you know, doing seller carry is that they can basically, instead of getting this lump sum and paying taxes yeah. on it, they can break it up over, you know, whatever long period. So mm -hmm. it's better on your taxes mm -hmm. to do it. Over time, and theoretically, you'll get more money out of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You're getting an you're getting interest on it. Yeah, and that's how he looked at it. He was like, "Well, I'm older. I only got 20, 30 years left to live. So I'd rather have an annuity that he's making <clears throat> money each month, and he's I mean, he made a six percent interest rate. It's like it's hard to find money like yeah, that. Yeah, guaranteed six percent in the market. Exactly. Yeah. But then at any time, it can be sold or yep, refinanced. Yeah, so. and the, the really nice thing is actually within our agreement is I can refinance at any point. And so he didn't put in... There's no prepayment penalty. No, yeah, so that's huge for me. Okay. Well, you know, I know that, you know, when you get a traditional mortgage, if you don't pay your mortgage, mm -hmm. you know, they hold you accountable. They take away your home, foreclose. Yeah. Uh, what are the repercussions of getting into a seller carry and just to say you lost your job or the ability to work and you can't pay... Yeah, I mean, with this one, um, it'd be a similar situation as a foreclosure where he could call it all due, and obviously, because he, yeah, he's got he first position on, yep. the, on the title. Mm -hmm. um, he also, and I don't. I, it seems to me like it's probably easier for him to foreclose than it would be for a bank and a big institution. Yeah, I would guess because what he did is at closing, he essentially signed the title over and the title company <clears throat> is the one holding it now. And so once my debt is paid to the title company, then they release the title. 
Also, it's going to be a while to you technically fully have it exactly. deed in your name. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, lenders they don't want to foreclose on you if at all possible. They'd much rather modify your loan or sell it to some other modification company. Yep. And, because it's just it's really expensive long process it's hard mm-hmm. it's not easy to foreclose on people yeah exactly can i ask like how hard do you think getting into a, like this situation calling all these people versus just finding stuff on the market how, how much more difficult do you think it was um it it just takes time and energy yeah. i mean like and compared to selling insurance yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's the same thing i mean you get what you put into it yeah, yeah. real estate was like the more I networked, the more I talked to people that owned real estate, the more my brain was thinking, okay, how that's how I can structure this or that or that. It just opens doors naturally. And you basically only work with FISBOs on this or can you work with anything that's on the market? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could work with anything in the market. I tried to do it with a few on-market stuff, but it's, it's hard because you don't just have to convince the seller, you have to convince the realtor yeah. too. And a lot of realtors they're like, no, we'll just take a conventional offer. Yeah, because they want their cut. They want their check. They want it. Yeah, exactly. like an easy, like yeah. direct. Mm-hmm. Here's your full. But point. I mean, what, what? I mean, they're getting the full six percent versus having to split it. So yeah. you would think they would want us, <laughs> unless they have a deal where yeah. No, oh, I, I yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's because you're you have to convince two people versus for sale by owner that person generally a for sale by owner they think they know everything they're doing and so yeah. <laughs> they're no, easier to talk with and you can even use words like as you may already know like a, a carry would be a great option for this how, i mean hour wise how long do you think you spent you know on that process of calling to to get the deal and hmm. that one i mean it was probably like it had been probably two months of maybe maybe I spent like four to five hours total because like what I would do is I would find a couple for sale by owner listings and you can even like talk to local title companies and they'll connect you with when for sale because there's not that many to call right no exactly because your criteria is pretty narrow yep and so I was calling kind of a wide cast net like I was just calling listings in general and then I would have a target focus on for sale by owners where I'd follow up maybe multiple times with them but with that one, like I would just call on my commutes. Like I would just call a couple of numbers right. on the way home and be like, hey, I saw your property, pretty interested. Would love to hear more info on it. So you're saying you spent four or five hours to find an investment property that cash flow that you could put 5% down on. Yep, essentially, yeah. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you to choose your interest rate. Yeah, well, yeah. and the crazy part about that one is it's actually a 20-year note, not a 30-year note. Okay. Yeah. But and it's so, still, but it's still, yep, the numbers, the numbers are a lot tighter, but, <clears throat> but uh, I can tw- refinance and. You're pushing a lot more equity in every month more. than you would be normally too. So it's, the numbers are better than they look exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. That, that property in particular, it's definitely more of an equity play. Like I love the location, mm-hmm. love the property. There's just, it's actually my newest home that I own is that one. And so, um, it, it'll be a good long-term play. Oh, you mean sure. like, it's like. It's built the, newest the newest, built? yeah. Okay, all the of the other okay. ones are older, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have you any issues with older houses or? Um. So, uh, as far as like maintenance stuff, yeah. Exactly. So you have three I, houses. What three? Four. Uh, so I have five. Five. Right now. five yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five, and then our primary. Um. And so the, 
the only one I've had issues with is it's a hundred year old home and um, it just is naturally everything's going slowly wrong with it yeah um, luckily like siding roof are all really good but like foundations a little eh. and um, <laughs> and we had a, like it just needs to be re re-leveled essentially um, it's just old ground um, but the something happened with the sewer line where it was just whoever did the flip <clears throat> put in the wrong connecting pieces and did it oh, a for the cheap sewer way. line yeah oh that's um, expensive yeah, well not sewer line sorry water line so under the bathroom kitchen okay those kind of things so old houses galvanized plumbing potentially well it was updated oh it was, it was updated, but done, done wrong yeah it was done cheap probably. yeah, yeah <laughs> and so fun. um i had a plumber come in spent maybe three four thousand dollars on it but that's been like the only big repair i've had that's to not do bad. yeah no not at all if you spent a few, only a few thousand on a hundred-year-old home, you'd yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. I'm budgeting for a roof in probably five to ten years, but and maybe a paint job, but not sure. too much. You you find good contractor friends, and yeah. usually it'll treat you well. Well, after five homes, you should. Definitely yeah, have exactly. A good, yeah, you gotta have a list resources. of your cleaners, your contractors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, coming back to seller carry, I mean, how did you figure out what was a good term for you? Like, I know there's like a lot of numbers involved. Like, how did you figure out a term that would work out for both you and the yeah? Like, so when I figured out his price point, I basically got him down as low as he would go. Then I figured out what's the least I can bring to the table that he's okay with. And okay. So that's where we met at kind of the it was like six percent down, um, and then we started to negotiate the term of the loan a balloon or interest rate and so yeah. essentially interest rate he was pretty stubborn with and i was okay with it so i didn't push too hard on it the term was the piece that i would have really liked to have had a 30 year yeah note lower the payment for the cash flow side of things but he was his catch was well i won't be here in 20 years and so okay. he, he was like i'd rather have most of it paid off before i pass away i was like okay fair enough and so my thought when moving forward with it was it'll be tighter but i was okay with it because i can refinance if need be yeah yeah okay but that was kind of how i calculated it was what's the least i can bring to the table and if the rate and the monthly payment are close enough to cash flow then i'm okay with either taking a small loss or um, having us really small cash flow because you think about it if you're bringing $25,000 down and you maybe are losing $100 a month like I view that I would view that loss as just a little bit more of a down payment yeah so your first Correct. year's down yeah. payment is 26200 it's like that's still a great down payment oh yeah yeah <laughs> even though you're losing money you're it's an equity play where appreciation will happen and your equity is building yeah, no, I, I, let's just say I worked with a couple of people who want to do seller carry and they've had some interesting propositions, you know, mm -hmm. like in a bad market, they're like, okay, we'll offer. And this is when, you know, houses were selling like twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 under asking. They're like, we'll offer $50,000 over. We'll bring like a $1,000 down payment and we'll pay $1,200 a month. I was like, oh, wow. oh man, you guys are doing some crazy stuff just so they can get this number. <laughs> interesting math. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, just, yeah. I'm, make, I'm, I'm making up You're numbers, like, but uh, basically work. like I'm trying to bring as little right. to the table as yeah. possible. I want to have the lowest payment, but I want to win them over with like mm. vastly overpaying. I'm just like, uh, I don't know how yeah. it's going to work. Yeah. And Seems I mean, there's definitely <clears throat> deals out there that you can increase your offer and bring maybe less money to the table or yeah. no money, but it's really hard to find that right seller and 
you do take a much bigger risk if you have no skin in the game. If yeah. you're zero mm -hmm. money down, mm -hmm. I mean, your debt load's pretty large, and if you have a five-year balloon, it's a really short window to not know what the market will look like in five years. Yeah. Yeah. And do you want to talk about a balloon for our audience who's not familiar yeah, so with terms? Yeah, so a balloon is essentially that's when the debt has to be paid. So if you have a $300,000 loan and your monthly payment's 2000 a month, but your balloon is five years, and at that point, <coughs> debt is maybe what, 250000 You have to pay that off, whether you refi, bring more cash to the table. Or, or sell. Yeah, yep, or sell to, it. You yep. might have to sell. Yep, exactly. Is, well, can I ask, Like, did you consider a balloon payment? Would that have been app, like palatable for you? That's a lot well, of money. so he was okay with not doing it, and okay. so I was like, well, great, I won't even talk about it. Because yeah. <laughs> it... I don't, it wouldn't have been as attractive if there was a balloon. If there was a five to 10 year balloon, I probably would have passed it up because the equity play wouldn't have been significant enough yeah. to bring it down. Yeah, on, on, on like conventional loans, they don't allow you to do balloons anymore. And no, it's yeah. pretty, I mean, there are some 30 year fixed loans that will balloon on investment properties. There are a few products out there that do, but generally speaking, residential stuff, if you're going through the marketplace, doesn't happen. But commercial it's mm -hmm. like uh, it's the normal yep so yeah, it's everything it, so it, it sounds terrifying to have this this five-year thing but if you look at the commercial market everyone does that and they just yeah. refi after five years or yeah well and the the commercial market it makes sense because in order to get those types of loans you're bringing in 20 25 percent so it's like at that point you have yeah. equity to move around it's just they only do that to keep rates steady. Yeah, they Otherwise, don't, they, they don't have, that way they're never at risk of exactly. being way under market on the yeah. rate. It's way smarter. I mean, residential should honestly move that way. It would be more profitable, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I, could, I can see it being really scary. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, I think I have a adjustable rate mortgage on mm -hmm. one of my properties. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I might. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, like seven years is a long time to do. There's a lot of time that makes the moves to sell your property, to mm -hmm. refinance or to you know, do something else interesting to bring money in. So yeah, I guess it's not as scary as I think. Yeah. So, the other thing. piece is, I mean, since all my stuff's single family, essentially, yeah. it's pretty easy to offload. If I do if you have, have to sell, sell it, it yeah. what, what is it going to take? 60 days? Exactly. I mean, yeah. like worst case scenario. Yeah, maybe plan like. A year ahead like yep. okay we should make some moves on this and yeah before exactly i have time yeah whereas if you have like a 20 unit apartment it's like that's a little harder to find the right buyer for. yeah i mean for single family home as long as you've taken care of it and mm -hmm. it's okay like you know there's a lot of homes staying on the market but the ones that are staying on the market that long are either very badly priced or have a lot of issues yep so, exactly but going back to your yeah. points of putting low skin in the game and raising the price up if you have a you know a two or three year balloon and you've way overpaid and your equity position is really low and the real estate market isn't as hot in those yeah. three years then then you could be in an issue where it's like oh shit i can't sell it for enough mm -hmm. money um yeah that that could be a situation yeah because then be i mean in order to refi now you have to bring another 20 30 000, which 50 000 to the typically table typically in the residential world people are, just don't have no they're yeah. like okay i'll just sell it and take the loss or whatever it mm -hmm. is yeah. and that's when the short sale happens yep exactly yeah. So, yeah, I'm super thankful with where everything's kind of worked out. I mean, we didn't really, like, have a plan to do it all, but our plan has always been buy something, move into it, find little ways to add value. So, like, yeah. every house we've 
done fence, done painting, flooring, odds and ends that it's like, okay, this makes it more attractive to a tenant. And then we've moved out, rented it, moved on to the next one. Can you talk about, uh, you know, your landlord experience? Have you had any issues or has it been smooth sailing? No. So, I mean, uh, <coughs> five units and five years, um, I've had my issues. Um, <laughs> I My first rental, when we moved from that single family, the small one, to a duplex, the two homes on a lot, um, I actually had a tenant sue me. Um, and it was my inexperience that I let it all unfold but essentially it was a tenant that I really liked was there and she had her brother come live with her for a period and I was like okay that's all right because like she was really good and then come to find out she moved out and now just the brother was there and so then when he moved out like they gave me fair notice and everything I did everything with the deposits like he kind of didn't take great care of the place so I had some deductions on the deposits of like carpets and some holes in the wall or whatnot but um, he wasn't on the lease or anything so how I had to navigate it was like just trying to split the deposit between the brother and sister but the sister wasn't there so like wait I, did he since sorry I don't mean it no, yeah. but since he wasn't there at the beginning did was didn't she pay the deposit Exactly. Yep. And so, so that's yeah. <laughs> that's the confusion is I checked I put them in a group text, texted them both and said, "Hey, how do we want to do the deposit?" and they both agreed, "Yes, we'll split the deposit return." So I was like, "Great, that'll be easy." Gave them the record of the deposit, the receipts paid. But then like 2 weeks later, I got served and he was like, "You didn't give me my full deposit." And I was like, you're not even on the lease, dude. Like, what are you? <laughs> but it's just attorneys fine. And like, I didn't do it all perfectly, but I fault myself to just not screening well enough. Yeah. I should have had him apply and seen that he had some bad background and then just been like, no, I don't want your brother there. So yeah. That was my bad. <laughs> so what did you, what, what was the result of? So I lost, <clears throat> I mean, I spent maybe $5,000 in attorney fees and paying off the tenant moving out so I viewed it as a cheap mistake yeah. I was like you kind of take the loss and yep yeah. I learned is could have been way worse so I'll take 5,000 over 20 um, and then my other weird scenario was I actually had a tenant pass away in a car accident and so he was single guy renting from me passed away and I was like okay I've never done this before so I called four or five landlord landlords that I knew and was like hey have you dealt with this what do I do none of them had done it so I was right. like great now I'm the guy that knows what to do in this so um, I basically just googled and youtubed as much as I could mm -hmm. and um, I mean I I think I took all the right steps but it ended up okay family was worked worked with me well <clears throat> we got all this stuff out with them within probably a week or so um, oh. and then just kind of I returned the deposit from after cleaning but yeah I mean well I, I was to say like this person passed away were there any things you wanted to ding on the security deposit or? there were something I was pretty gracious because yeah. I was like I'd rather just give them more money than they probably should get just because I wanted it like I know situation. yeah I was yeah. like I want to give grace to the family grieving yeah. but I also didn't want to deal with them coming back to me and being like hey you didn't do this right we're suing you so I was like I'll overpay you a little bit just to kind of let it go away yeah yeah, yeah. sometimes you have to do that. And, and I mean at the end of the day too like sometimes we just have to think about their situation and yeah 
be graceful. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so like the I primarily worked with the son and he was <clears throat> really nice kid. Um and I mean he was really easy to work with. So yeah. 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 But that was like I got I was camping over like Memorial Day weekend and got a call like Sunday night and the neighbor was like, Hey, your neighbor just passed away in a car accident. It's all over the news. I was like, what? Like, it was just crazy. And so Jeez. we came home early Monday to try to figure stuff out. And I had to change the locks because the ex-wife was coming after stuff. And so it was like... Wait, after he passed? Yeah. Oh, that's... Because she was like, well, this is all my stuff now. And it's like, well, you're the ex-wife. That's and not So, what yeah. So I let her and the son kind of figure it out and then they let me know kind of how to proceed but yeah so i changed locks and then waited it out but it ended up going over smooth so yeah no i mean that's a tough situation and you know i mean like i said it sounds like it went as smooth as it could like they oh, got their stuff sure. out and then you were probably able to just get it yep. ready and get it rented yeah it wasn't bad at all so i it was way easier than i expected it to be um but all my other tenants have been really great i'm i mean i think if you treat and screen your tenants well on the front end, they will treat and be good tenants on the back end. Yeah. And so um, that's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've, I've, had, I've had mostly good experiences. I've definitely mm-hmm. had super qualified people who have screwed me over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it happens. I mean, yeah. and that's just, you know, part of the game, part of the real estate game. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's the name. You calculate that into the risk. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's your kind of, <clears throat> you know, five-year or medium-term plan? Are you going to keep doing this primary mm. thing? Are you like the seller carry Betty better? Or? Yeah. I don't know if you guys have moved with the kids before, but. Oh, it, no. Yeah. It's terrible. So, never doing that this again. This last move was like, after we moved, I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and so. Um, the plan is like how we were able to buy the for sale by owner uh-huh. this year. Um, that's the plan moving forward is let's find deals that still fit the numbers, but we don't have to move to mm-hmm. get into them. Um, so whether it's multifamily, commercial, single family, like I'm open to getting into some different realms. Um, but yeah, I don't think we'll move into another because like this house we bought with the same intentions of can we be there for five to 10 years if we need to be and yeah. It'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have yeah. a couple kids, it just the game changes in terms of moving. Yeah. You just you accumulate a lot of crap. Like, I didn't realize how. <laughs> I was just like, all my friend, my dad was like, yeah, I'm never helping you move again. <laughs> so, yeah. That was kind of a aha moment. Yeah. And so, you know, for our audience, um, for those looking to get started in real estate, what kind of advice would you give them for someone who wants to get started in investing? Yeah. If you are serious about investing, I think the duplex option is the best way to go. Um, Mm. Easiest form of entry and lowest risk tolerance, honestly. Um, Like, yeah, you could buy a house, add value to it, move out, but the margins are getting smaller to do that. Oh, yeah. and so the duplex option though you can as long as both people have a decent income you can qualify for duplexes and your mortgage is lower than what it would be if you bought single family and Mm -hmm. now you're into the real estate game Um, because that's really the first step is you just have to do it Mm -hmm. like the night we bought our duplex and we slept in there the first night I was like, I couldn't fall asleep. I was like, did I just make the biggest mistake yeah. of my life? And well, I had to like, what the hell did I just yeah, do? Now I, I don't have to have a tenant. <laughs> I was like, I owe how much money in debt now? And so 
um, I had to redo the numbers in my mind to be like, no, this was a good purchase. Like the numbers work. And so if the numbers work on something, take the step on it. Um, but yeah, I think there's people that talk about real estate a lot and there's people that do it. And yeah. I think the hard part is like, if you're serious about it, you just have to do it. You can't just say you want to do it. <laughs> like take the step. Yeah. And you know, about your duplex, you, you already had a house, right? Yeah. So yep. you had to obviously rent that out. Now mm-hmm. you're moving into a duplex where you have a tenant on the side. Exactly. And was it kind of a downgrade in terms of living? Smaller? Um, uh, not as nice location, yeah. bigger house. Oh, it's um, bigger. Not yeah, but not a nice yard. Okay. So <laughs> we downgraded a few areas, upgraded in size. Yeah. Oh, so the duplex is pretty big then if you're, mm-hmm. if the unit you're staying in is bigger than your previous house. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be my advice is if you're serious about it, just take the step, um, start talking to someone that has done the duplex model or an agent or lender that knows how to structure that. Mm. Cause you do have to have someone on your team that's like, Hey, this is how you do it. These are the properties we need to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause some of them won't work. I mean, there's some expensive duplexes that it's like, no, that's not going to cash flow after you move out. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of think it, even if you buy a nice finished duplex, like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have a tenant who's going to offset at least a good portion of your mortgage, exactly. which is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's better than nothing. If you're going to be buying a single family house to live in anyways, you might as well have somebody paying for a, some chunk of it. Exactly. You know? Yep. It's so. like it's the newer version of house hacking. I mean, people are and were buying houses, getting roommates to fill it, and now you can just do that with a duplex. So it's way less low, like way less pressure on you. You don't have to have roommates if you yeah, don't want to share a kitchen or a bathroom. Yeah. Or, yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So. And if, if um, someone wanted to contact you, what's where, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, Instagram's super easy. I know that's where you guys are pretty active. So, I mean, my handle's Alex Ferry, or insurance-wise, it's Ferry Insurance. And so both of those people can reach out. I'm happy to provide a cell phone and email if people message me too, but yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. I enjoyed talking about real estate. It's yeah. fun stuff. All right. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.